Hello, fellow travelers, and welcome to the Diverse in the Stars podcast. How are my loyal listeners? Thank you for continued support. And remember, click the subscribe button, everybody. This is a fantastic episode because Born the Mothership is Jim Zub and Ray Fox. They're the co-creators of Murder World from Marvel comic books. Now prepare to traverse the stars. Hello, Mr. Zub and Mr. Fox. Thank you so much for coming to the Diverse in the Stars podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Totally my pleasure. We're going to get to talk about some Marvel today. Very exciting. We are pumped. Lots of good stuff in the pipeline. I hope you're reading lots of good books. Oh, most certainly am. Um, some Marvel. Actually, suddenly, recently, I've been reading more Marvel now than DC. Uh, like Moon Knight is absolutely fantastic. Thor is, is absolutely really fantastic. Good. You know, they're, they're doing a lot of good stuff now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great books coming out. It's It's been an amazing time, I think. It's been a pretty good year overall, just for the industry in general. I, I will say um, the announcement of CrossGen um, being reissued, I'm very excited about. It. I'm kind of crossing my fingers that this becomes a thing. So um, if you know anyone at Marvel uh, who's in charge of that kind of stuff, tell them CrossGen needs to be you need to finish the stories, finish the CrossGen stories from 20 years ago first. <laughs> I do not have any kind of uh, thing I can offer on that front. I'm not even sure who's the editor on that stuff. So, yeah. I have but no idea. I, I do appreciate hearing it. That's cool. I hope that that stuff uh, gets out there as well. Indeed. So I always ask, start off with the question of inspiration. So what inspired your love for comics and who were your earliest influence for both of you? You go first, Ray. Me? Uh, what inspired my love for comics? Well, I mean, I was reading comics when I was a little kid. I, I just, um, the stories, the heroes, the colors, you know, all that stuff uh, from right when I was little. But uh, what made me want to get into comics it was mostly stuff like, um, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing mm. and uh, um, uh, when Frank Miller was doing like Electra Assassin and Daredevil and that stuff mm. you kind of put those three together in a bit of a stew and you get kind of the stuff that started me off that off the launch pad. Mm. It, it is great when you hear certain names repeated a lot. I Me mean, Miller you hear a lot of people love Miller, Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman you get uh, a lot of people um, hitting on. That's when you know you've done something right when everyone refers to you as their inspiration. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> How about you, Mr. Zub? Um, I mean, I grew up, you know, really obsessed with uh at first kind of the Marvel comics canon. Like my brother and I, we were collecting tons and tons of Marvel stuff. We loved the official handbook of the Marvel Universe back in the day because we couldn't afford those back issues. There weren't the kind of you know digital archives mm. and trade paperbacks that you have now. So that became our like encyclopedia. Like it was this knowledge base of how all this stuff connected together and why it all mattered. Mm. And so because you couldn't afford to buy those back issues, you would just read those little entries and imagine how deep the history went and how far mm. back it went. So I was obsessed with Spider-Man, the Avengers, Fantastic Four. My brother was buying all the mutant titles. So Uncanny X-Men at first, and then eventually, you know, X-Factor and mutants and all that stuff as well and so we kind of split the marvel universe as much as we could and just bought as much as we could uh over time i would sort of move over to stuff more like what you know ray was talking about i loved the vertigo titles mm. you know sandman uh, eventually preacher um those kind of books really blew my mind they seemed really innovative and amazing um and and also manga as well i was uh you know pretty early on when manga was making its way over here you know in a, in a bigger and bigger way. Um, Epic was reprinting Akira and I had seen the movie and it blew my mind and I wanted to keep reading the manga there, but all kinds of other ones, everything from romantic comedies to like, you know, samurai stories to sports manga, mm. just seeing the depth and breadth of what was possible there. I've just been obsessed with all kinds of different comics over the years, just 
dozens and dozens of different things, whatever I can get my hands on. Are you surprised that manga has almost overtaken comic books over the last five, six years? Uh, I think, it, I don't know about surprise. Like, I think it it makes sense because of the depth and breadth of, of what's released over there. Like the sheer amount of material that's coming out, you can cull it down to really high quality stuff that hits a lot of different audiences and a lot of different tastes in that regard. You've got historical dramas, you've got romantic comedies, you've got sports stories. You know, these are the kinds of things that have not been served in North American comics consistently for quite some time. Mm. And so you can see that it appeals to this kind of broader base. And then you also have hard-hitting kind of action, adventure, and everything else in that stead. It's also a little bit easier to collect. You know, the stuff is, you just follow one series usually through or one creator. Mm. You know, the interconnected worlds of things like Marvel and DC are very kind of unique in that regard and our ability to all kind of play in that sandbox, but it's not something that is propagated over to other, uh, you know, kind of, of, of comics culture broader. Everyone now kind of looks more at Marvel and DC as this global kind of thing, even though it emerges from, you know, North America. Mm. Yeah. So one thing that's really cool is that both of you are co-writers of uh, Murder World or the upcoming Murder World. So, yeah. how did, so how did the partnership first occur? And how does this collaboration actually work? That is a good question. Do you want to explain how far back this rolls, Ray? Because it's, sure. uh, it's pretty unique. Uh, well, Jim and I have known each other for like 25, closing in on 30 years. Oh um, and it says uh, it out loud and it's like, oh my God. <laughs> back in the day, you know, when we both knew we wanted to get into this business, but we were, you know, just kind of starting out a, a lot less experienced than we are now. Uh, Jim kind of came across an opportunity to pitch something to Marvel, and uh, we sat down and and batted a couple ideas back and forth. And one of the ideas we had was for this murder world story, um, which at the time didn't go anywhere. Uh, and we kind of put it away. And uh, it, this was just a case of the time was right. Uh, Jim called me up a, a few months ago <laughs> and was like, Hey, uh, what do you think about uh, reworking that murder world idea? And I'm like, that idea from like 17 years ago. <laughs> uh, and he was like, yeah. And, and we did it. We saw that there was actually some some good potential in there, um, some good stuff. And culturally, the time did seem really right. And uh, pitched it. And uh, that was one of the fastest green lights I've ever got on a project. I think. Oh wow. Except it took 17 years for us. <laughs> the, the fastest and the slowest uh, <laughs> we've ever gotten. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know what, what Ray was saying, you know, so I was working at, this is 2004. I'm working at the Udon studio. <clears throat> at the time, Udon's doing all sorts of artwork for Marvel. So they were doing a series called Agent X. They were doing Sentinel and a bunch of other stuff. They were coloring on a bunch of series. And I was doing other artwork and uh, project management at the Udon studio. And so through that, we knew, you know, we had Marvel contacts. I really wanted to be a writer. Ray and I have known each other for years and we'd always been, you know, chatting about our story ideas and things. And we were trying, you're trying to come up with something that's not being used with a character currently with their own mm. series. And we were like, you know, that kind of, of that game show aesthetic was so fun and the the mixture of the kind of kookiness and the violence are so interesting and in what mm -hmm. you could do with it. And one of the things that has happened over the years is that, and this kind of ties into our broader sort of pitch is, you know, arcades always coming up against these superheroes and by the very nature of the comic, he's up against Spider-Man 
Spider-Man's going to win. If he's up against the X-Men, the X-Men are going to win. You know what I mean? We're like, and yet this guy Arcade's really dangerous. He's really deadly. How do you show that? How do you really show how powerful and capable he is? We've got to create a story where he can kill people off, where we can do really cool stuff with him. And this was the sort of idea that we spun out of was, is this, you know, kind of really deadly game show sort of concept of murder world pitched it up the ladder to Marvel. And the response was a very polite kind of, this is cool and all, who are these people? What are their credits? <laughs> and we're like, well, we don't really have very many. The fact we were even able to kind of pitch at that level at Marvel was a little bit ridiculous. And so we were kind of, you know, not a bad idea, not a bad pitch, didn't make us look bad, but we also didn't have any traction. And so, you know, many years later, Ray's done a ton of stuff at DC. I've done a lot of work at Marvel. Uh, we've got a, a horde of credits under our belt. And I had been working on the new Thunderbolt series. And, and the pitching process on that went really, really well. And we had all sorts of fun kind of collaborative ideas that I was doing with editorial. And just an offhanded comment, they were like, oh, you know, that's one of the best pitches we've seen in a while. If you've got any other things in the, you know, in your pocket, feel free to let us know. And, and you know, uh, uh, feel free. And I think C.B. Sobolski actually said, he was like, you know, if you've got a squid game or something. And I said, well, Marvel does have a squid game. And he's like, what? I said, Marvel's got a squid game. It's called Murder World. And he goes, yeah, but like, how would you actually do it? And I said, oh, have I got the pitch for you? <laughs> and so I was able to take this old pitch, look at it now with much clearer eyes and a much more experience and kind of go, no, the bones of this thing still function, but we're much better writers now than we were, God, you know, 18 years ago. Mm. And so able to look at this thing and, and improve upon it and strengthen it and really drive it all the way through. But the germ of the idea, and I think a bunch of the, some of the big payoffs are, are very much the same as that original pitch, which mm -hmm. honestly, it's like now my ultimate example of never say never. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We're taught this, this pitch is old enough to vote. Like it's, it's, it's an oldie, but it's still good. There's something really strong and visceral there. And it's like, if I'd have just barked off and said, oh yeah, I had this pitch idea and told everyone my idea, it would have just sort of faded off into obscurity, mm -hmm. but we kind of held it there and kept it in the archives. And eventually it has its day it's kind of wild to it's funny it. too because the pitch did kind of grow into its own it, i think when we originally wrote it it was a lot more like sci-fi some of yes. the things that we had happening in murder world and the way murder world operated was sort of like a little bit speculative but now mm. actually the technology exists for a lot of the things we're talking about mm. we have things like the you know deep web and uh, live broadcasting on the internet, streaming and stuff like that. So yeah, it uh, it turned out to be like a pitch that kind of was a, almost a little too ahead of its time. You know, yeah, and I, th I feel I feel like the, not only that, but the, um, just the way we look at media in society and the way we view, you know, entertainment, I mm -hmm. feel like has gone through quite an upheaval, you know, as well. And, and it's it just seems that much more relevant, absolutely. You know what's funny? I, I get the feeling 90% of my listeners are now running to wherever they used to have their old stories online somewhere, and they're like looking them up going, right. there's got to be a gold piece of gold in here somewhere. Never <laughs> somewhere. throw anything away. Never <laughs> throw anything away. It's true. It's true that you never know what's going to you know, finally hit. And and over the years, I've, I've scavenged ideas from other pitches that didn't go anywhere, or a particular character, or a title, or a name. Like having those scrapbooks of ideas is always useful there's always mm. value there get your ideas down and then you know let them percolate and you never 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 know 
So, so how does this collaboration work between the two of you on, on a story? Um, like, do you guys um, handle different parts of a story? What do you guys do about inevitable egos that may pop in? We're like, you know, we all feel our ideas are always the best ones. How did this all work out? Uh, well, yeah. How would you want to describe it? Yeah. Well, we uh, we synergize pretty well as far as throwing ideas back and forth. We're pretty good at just you know setting our egos aside and saying how's this story going to work and then we right. we throw stuff out there and some stuff gets dismissed or thrown out obviously but uh we we generally start uh we started the whole project and we start every chapter with a pretty big long conversation uh and then once we've both sort of hammered out everything we want to see uh it goes to one of us so, you know, sometimes one, sometimes the other to write an outline and then we both look it over and then um, we've been trading the scripts. So like one yeah. of us will write an issue and then the other one will go and do like a dialogue pass or whatever. And then in the next issue, the other one will first write the draft and then the second, you know, so we trade back and forth and it's actually a pretty simple, I mean, it, it helps that we've been friends for so long. We kind of know each other's and uh, we've done co-writing with other people over the years as well. So I think we've kind of learned to to give, you know, if, if this was the first time we'd ever co-written with anyone, I think there would be more tug of war. But we've done co-writing projects with other different people before. This is just our first time collaborating together. And mm -hmm. so you, you you get used to, like comics as a whole are a collaborative process. I think people get the wrong idea that the writer is whatever, in charge of the story. It's like, no, the artist has such a huge role to play anyways an editorial is going to have their you know feedback and processes and we're used to that because we've been doing this stuff for years now and so it's just a matter of saying look in any one of these meetings you're trying to justify a particular plot point or a character turn because it's going to serve the story well and so if i can enthusiastically explain to you why i think we should do this either you're going along with it or you're coming back with i think here's a better version of it mm. and then we kind of because I think we have pretty similar tastes in terms of that entertainment quality. It's like, yeah, that is actually a better turn. Both of our names are going to be on it. Both of us have contributed in, in huge ways. I'm not worried about winning every single point. That's not really what this is all about as a, as, as collaboration in general or, or this project in particular, you know, we're, we're, I'm curious. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm curious to see how this one goes. I mean, obviously we've both collaborated with a lot of people and I, I think Jim knows, um, with the audience, it tends to be the people who are already your fans will think you wrote all the parts they like. Mm. Right. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'm actually curious when this comes out, who's going to come up to the table at conventions and congratulate me on something Jim wrote or congratulate Jim on something I wrote. I mean, oh. that that happened with me where, <clears throat> you know, I was doing uh, Avengers No Road Home and Avengers No Surrender, and I was co-writing with Mark Wade and Al Ewing. And they're both amazing and they were great collaborators. We had a ton of fun, but there are those moments where someone comes over and goes, oh, I know that's a Zub scene. And I'm laughing because I'm like, no, Al wrote that. And they're like, really? You're like, yeah, yeah. You know, or vice versa, where a lot of the big metaphysical stuff at the end of No Road Home, they're like, that is such an Al Ewing, you know, up to bat cosmic level. And I'm like, I, I came up with that actually, you know? <laughs> so it's this fun thing where you, you can sort of surprise people because they can't quite typecast you. They suddenly realize maybe you've got little more going on there than they anticipated yeah, so, which is fun. so you guys are not gonna take credit if somebody comes up to you and congratulates you on a part that's not you're gonna be like 
yeah thank you so much that was awesome That's by right. me <laughs> all, all me baby no no i think we we're both pretty good about that sort of stuff like um one of the things that has been fun i think both of us sometimes we're egging each other on. I know a couple of times we've gone on a call and we go, man, this part's really vicious. And then, uh, you know, Ray will be like, yeah, we could do this even nastier thinking that I'm going to talk him out of it. And I'm like, no, go further, go further, <laughs> make it, make it more brutal, make it more vicious, you know, go for, go for the gusto. Yeah. So was there any characters that you guys fought over including in the story or, or taken out of the story? Um, I can't say because they sort of appear anyways. We literally talked about this today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to reveal. I don't want to, I don't want to. There's so many surprises in the story and there's so many how the hell or why the hell did you do that? Uh, <laughs> that I that I, I don't want to tip my hand on that too much. Yeah, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like this is a question that's going to be really fun to answer when the book is done. Mm. <laughs> and, yes. and people are going to say, I can't believe <clears throat> put these guys in there and and we can be like well you should have seen how we were originally going <laughs> well like I, said, I, I know the ones that were announced we had black widow announced um moon knight wolverine spider-man mm -hmm. um the avengers but i'm not sure which members uh, are definitely taking part <clears throat> so i don't know if any wings or nods to any of those you want to I mean, let me know. There's, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of of fun you know cameos and appearances that i think are going to really surprise people who the characters are the way the characters appear and what ends up ultimately becoming of them um i also think there's a lot of great nods to old murder world stories and little little in jokes and tips of our hat to you know the shoulders that we stand on in terms of these classic stories hmm. and a lot of the fun thematic stuff that has come out over the years you know most notably like claremont who obviously you know created uh arcade and murder world originally the first Prince of Arcade is in a Marvel team-up story, not even X-Men. I don't know if people know that, but he shows up in a, in a Marvel team-up story. It's Spider-Man and Captain Britain. Uh, <laughs> and it's a, it's a great one. It's really, really fun. So, yeah. I, I think my knowledge of Arcade originally comes from the Super Nintendo video game. I think it's right. Arcade. I think it's Arcade and the X, oh, Spider-Man and the X-Men. I still mm -hmm. remember, I don't think I ever beat the game. I think I got too frustrated by it and quit. But I do remember loving playing it uh, for a while anyway. Um, so obviously, uh, as you mentioned, Arcade is the primary villain of, of, of Murder World, of the series. Yes. Um, so what is the key to understanding Arcade and how is he seen differently through the eyes of the different heroes that he's going to come up against? The key to understanding Arcade. Um, <clears throat> how did we put it? Jim, do you remember? Uh, you know, <clears throat> for me, well, I think that that sort of tying back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, that Arcade has always been a, a loser in the sense we've never been able to show him be as lethal as what Murder World has promised. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That, that because we put him up against these superheroes, but superheroes are not his only targets. And then we get to show, I think, the full depth and breadth of what murder world has done or has been capable of over the years in ways that we haven't that the reader hasn't seen before let's mm. put it that way and i think one of the things that we said when we were first putting this together is that arcade is actually a man who is incredibly dangerous just not so dangerous to superheroes right so most of the superheroes write him off they're like oh that guy he's a joke but meanwhile he has the capacity he has the 
the the resources and the ability to harm and kill a lot of people. Mm. And and resources is is one of the things that we kind of play into is the idea of <clears throat> how kind of globally connected it is in ways that I don't think has ever been quite shown before and ways that he's able to monetize his particular skills and mm. uh yeah yeah that's sort of all i can say on that front so yeah from from the summary that i read it said that murder world is no longer like of this legend it's something that's online and people now know about it so that awareness how does that raise the stakes of the story and is the greater danger the fear that's going to generate or what it implies about rk's new boldness knowing that he's must know something that he's willing to go out there now and basically announce himself worldwide there's definitely a boldness that makes him much worse now than ever before. The idea that he runs this theme park and people die there, and there are people all around the world who want to watch this and they want to pay, right? So um, Arcade is, is uh, changing into something uh, kind of very, very profitable and very sick. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, it, he he's presenting a whole new kind of problem to a lot of the heroes who are going to face him. Mm. Yeah, and the the <clears throat> the public facing nature of it is sadistic in all sorts of different ways because it's no longer just about you know the 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 contest itself. It's about even the footage that he's able to acquire. It's the situations he's able to create, and the 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 kind of PR spin in a weird way that he's able to to generate from it in a in a sick and kind of twisted way that I think we're we're really excited to explore little bits and pieces of as well. One interesting thing about the series and how it's being presented to the reader um it is five connected one-shot stories instead of being a five considered called a five issue miniseries. So how does it be, being delivered as five one-shot issues change how you're narrating it or change the experience of the reader who's going to enjoy it well there is one sort of greater story being yes. told but each issue is going to be narrated by a different character yes so so we get kind of five perspectives on this one story involving arcade at its center and the story is moving forward we're not just telling the same events from different points of view we're the story is continuous but our pov is changing each time yeah i yeah. i will say personally i'm very curious to see the point of view of moon knight <laughs> that's how fascinating oh boy the moon knight <laughs> issue might might be my favorite in oh really some way. yeah it's um yep that's all i could say <laughs> until you until you read it uh yeah i i uh, did the first draft script on the moon knight one and uh, I'm very, very happy with how it turned out. So, and our editor, uh, Sarah Brunstad, she was also really, really pleased with, with how it all sort of spins out. Even though, you know, in the outline, we said it's going to go like this. When you see it actually executed out, I think it, uh, we amped it up suitably. <laughs> I don't know how else to say. I don't want to <laughs> give anything away. It is nuts. Uh, it is nuts. There, there's a lot of fun kind of, of, uh, anarchistic moments that we've been able to unleash in this series. And a lot of times where I've said to Ray and he said to me, like, put it on the page. Let's see if we can get approvals rather than, rather than not go for it. Like we don't try and self edit. Let's let them tell us no, rather than not do it. You know, mm. Yeah. Which has been nice. <clears throat> so 
according to the summary that I read, who is Paul Pastor? Is he uh, investigating murder world? <laughs> is he brave or incredibly foolish? Why not both? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's young. <clears throat> he's young. Um, and uh, well, Paul has heard about the rumors about Murder World. He's seen footage of Murder World, and Paul is uh, uh, maybe an aspiring uh, online journalist or show host, and he is investigating Murder World, and he gets an opportunity to go there and participate. Yeah, see it firsthand. And Willingly? What? Yes. <laughs> I'll just scratch <laughs> that out. <laughs> sure let's yeah, say a, a qualified yes a qualified <laughs> mostly yes yeah it's um it, it's he's a really fun character because he's your classic kind of um touchstone character you know even if no one if a reader for whatever reason has never heard of arcade or knows anything about murder world through his eyes you get that baseline bit of information and you start to understand the depth and breadth and how your average person would see the machinations of someone like Arcade, which I mm. think is really important because we're always used to seeing like a superhero gets thrown in a death trap and Arcade's cackling and they're going to fight their way out. And that's cool. It's been a lot of fun and the visuals and the big bombastic kind of circus style craziness. And, and if you sort of dial that back and you go, what is your average man on the street kind of perspective of this madness? Like, what is this all about and why would anyone ever you know, want to get close to this sort of thing. And then mm. we kind of pull back the veil and, and cool stuff starts to get revealed. So, But of course, Paul has a secret ace up his sleeve. So, yes. you know, we're gonna that's what I love about every character uh, in the story has, has got a good secret, has got a reveal, has got something else going on. So you get introduced or you see how they're entering into the, the contest or you see how they've been pulled into it against their will and then there's always a fun little card turn there's always a fun little extra bit that we're able to keep you hopefully on board for all five because you don't know how it's all going to turn out and the twists and turns at every issue are some of the things i'm most proud of that i think we're going to be keeping readers guessing right up until the final scene so. now i don't know if you can answer this question but i'm gonna ask it anyway it's because you know what the hell sure. um so as we said before, there's Moon Knight, there's Spider-Man, uh, Wolverine, Avengers, mm -hmm. uh, Black Widow, whatnot. Um, is there a connection to these characters or is it random that they are chosen by um, Arcade? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. There is a connection, yes, mm -hmm. for most of them. Um, and uh, Arcade is a guy who's used to getting what he wants, except when he's dealing with superheroes. Right. So he would- He's purposefully not, you know, Wolverine kind of being the exception. He's not going after, you know, people that we've typically seen in, he's not, he's not using all the kinds of things we've seen before. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? It's not just same old, same old at Murder World. Well, he is a showman. He's never going to want to show you the same thing twice. Mm. That's right. <clears throat> so how does this uh, series fit into current continuity of Marvel? It's perfectly plugged into current. We reference uh, Krakoa in at least one issue. 
we referenced um, his recent appearance in Black Widow, where mm -hmm. he messed with her, uh, all that stuff. It is it is lockstep in the current Marvel Universe, though you don't have to have read those stories in order to appreciate what's going on. But it is definitely taking place like right here, right now in the midst of the Marvel Universe, yeah. Yeah, this isn't an, an Elseworld story or anything like that. It's not a, 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 you know, we're not faking anyone out. Let's put it that way, yeah. Well, thinking about the stakes, are we potentially looking at deaths? Sorry, we're not faking anyone out that way. I mean, it's working <laughs> There's all sorts of different ways that we can fake you out and mysteries and secrets. But we're not doing like, a, we're going to kill every character in the Marvel Universe and then go, never mind, it's, it's you know, Earth 716 or something. Like, that's not what we're doing. Let's put it that way. Uh, so like what are, so we're talking about, when we talk about stakes are some of these superheroes in actual danger from a reader standpoint like are we looking at are some characters not going to make it through we're looking at everybody, some characters not going to make it through everybody in murder world is in deadly danger yes. okay very cool <laughs> very exciting um so because they like said five one shots so yeah. can a reader pick up one one shot and understand the story or is it sort of like a miniseries where you need to follow through on all five to totally get what happened. It's best if you were to read all five. Yeah, okay. you're going to get the most out of all five. There's, there is a recap-ish kind of mechanism built in, but it's it's built to be read in order, and you'll get the most out of it. And the last one ties up a bunch of plot threads, so you can't you can't pick up part five and go, okay, satisfying story. Like that's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's built as a continuous, you know, uh, uh, carrying you through trials and tribulations of, of the contestants of Murder World. And of Arcade. And of Arcade, that's right. The trials and tribulations of Arcade, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. when can our listeners find Murder World? Uh, do you know when it's coming out, Jim? Good question. I can pull up the solicit for uh, Avengers. Hold on a second. For the in-store date um da, 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 i believe oh geez right on the cusp now of course uh in stores november 16th for murder world avengers yeah. very cool we are super duper pumped and then december is spider-man mm -hmm. um so that'll mean january is wolverine yeah february is moon knight and then March will be game. It's called Murder World Game Over. That sounds absolutely. Will they be regular issue size? The one shots or are they going to be extra size? Regular. I think they're regular size. Regular size. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can definitely tell you, you sold at least one reader so far. So <laughs> I want to thank you guys so much for talking with me. It's Murder World sounds absolutely awesome. So, Mister.